Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Living in Hope. I am your host, Cassie Merritt. Oh, man, I am excited because I was able to convince my good friend, Megan Welton, to come sit down with me. She was very nervous about this, but you know what? She did such a great job, and I know you guys are going to love it. She talks about her son who has autism, but she takes us back to the beginning of when she began seeing signs in her son and what it was like to go through that time of uncertainty. You know, it really did take a toll on the relationship at the beginning before the diagnosis because she didn't understand why he was acting out a certain way and doing certain things. I really do love all the wisdom that she has for us and I know you guys are going to love it as well. So let's go ahead and dive in. Megan, welcome to the podcast. I am so happy I was able to convince you to come sit with me today. Well, I'm pretty honored and humbled, <laughs> so thank you for having yes, me. Yes, of course. So let's see, how do we know each other? How did we meet again? Preschool, I think. Yes. Our kids were in preschool together. Yes. Did we do preschool and pre-K together? I believe so. Okay, so that's how we know each other. <laughs> have so to I've go made back a lot a of my bit. friends, actually. Yes, I know. It's really cool to have the preschool program here yeah. and to just be able to meet other moms through that. Awesome. Yes. Well, anyways, I would love for you to start out by introducing yourself. Um, my, my name's Megan. I've lived on Camino for 21 years, and... Um, yeah, I love it out here. It's beautiful. I have three boys, been married almost 12 years, and my life's been an adventure. Wow. Did you say 12 years? 12 years in December. Nice. That is so cool. Oh, my goodness. Um, how long have Tanner and I been married? Um, we've been together for eight years now. So okay. when everybody's past that, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> You made it that far. By the grace of God. By the grace of God, we made it this far. No, I'm totally kidding, husband, if you're listening to me. Um, Oh, he would agree. Yeah. (laughs) So true. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we're sharing about stories and their hope inside the stories. So I want to listen to your story, hear you talk about your story. I know it a little bit, but I'm excited for our listeners to be able to hear it. It's... um. Where do you want me to start? <laughs> oh, man, start from the beginning, like um, when you had um, Liam, right? Okay, I was, we were married for five years when I found out I was expecting Liam. I was so excited because um, we hadn't planned on waiting that long to have children, but I got really sick one month after we got married mm. and almost passed away twice. Oh, um, I ended up with a pulmonary embolism and it just kind of, you know, going through that for the first three months of our marriage it just kind of put children on the back burner. So we were married for five years, found out we were expecting Liam. I was so excited because my whole life, all I wanted to do was be a mom. You'd ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd say, oh, mom, I just, I love children, Mm -hmm. babies, all the things. Um, And I always thought I was going to be a girl mom. (laughs) God's up there laughing because I have three little boys, (laughs) but I I was the most girly girl. And I thought I was going to be this girl mom. (laughs) Yes, but um, all the dresses, all and the dresses, bones. yeah, makeup and hair and all the Aww. things. But now I play Tonka trucks in the backyard. Well, there you and go. I love it <laughs> in my makeup and dresses and bows. <laughs> yes, right there you go. <laughs> but um, I was so excited. We just 
we were ecstatic. And I remember going in for, um, oh, so being that I'd had suffered from the pulmonary embolism, we came to find out that I was going to have to go see a specialist when I was pregnant mm. because um, the pulmonary embolism was, horm- it was uh, hormonal. It, the hormone change and stuff like that from being on birth control. So when you get pregnant, your hormones do the same thing. And so I was going on blood thinners and seeing a specialist and all these things. And we had gotten our first ultrasound and the specialist said that it looked like um, he had what's called Piero band sequence. Mm-hmm. And we were like, okay, so we got a second opinion. And she said, no, he looks fine. Totally fine. Um, I'd never heard of Piero band sequence before and anything like that. And it's when the jaw gets stuck in the collarbone in vitro and it doesn't break free until they start moving around. Oh my and because of that, the jawline stops growing. Wow. And um, so there's a cleft palate, um, no cleft lip, but cleft palate, and the jawline set really far back. Mm. So we got a second opinion. She said everything looks fine. We went on um, throughout the pregnancy. It was the pregnancy was a breeze. I loved being pregnant. Had Liam on November 30th and was so excited. They laid this baby on my chest and he wasn't crying or anything, which seemed kind of awkward. Mm. The nurses just were kind of concerned with that. So they took him from me, they opened up his mouth, and the nurse yelled to the rest of the nurses, we have a cleft palate baby here, and whisked him away. Wow. So I start bawling. They just take him out of your arms. Yes. I just was in labor for ever how many hours to have this baby whisked away from me. Sorry if I get emotional. Oh, no, please. (laughs) I get it. Um, Steve and I are looking at each other. There's no cleft lip. And I had totally forgotten. I'd put it on the back burner, I guess I would say. With the, what the first specialist had said, him possibly having Piero band sequence. Mm. As a mom, you think, oh, there's nothing going to be wrong. Everything's going to be good, you know? Well, he was born with Piero band sequence, and we discovered mm. the day he was born. After lots of tests and all this stuff, um, my dreams of being able to breastfeed him put on the, what couldn't happen because he didn't have the palate, he couldn't latch. Um, all these emotions, all this stuff. I was just, it was a whirlwind for the first. 48 hours of his life I I mourn for that mom looking back Mm. because all your dreams of what it's going to be like with your newborn came crashing down um and I remember them telling me he had to go home with you know are you ready to go home and all these things and I was so nervous how am I going to take care of this baby how am I going to feed him but I'm like all right God we've got this I love him he's adorable he's my little boy I prayed for him And um, they made an appointment for us to go to Children's Hospital a week after he was born just to get himself checked out. And they also made appointments for us to go get him weighed once every day for that week just to make sure he was gaining weight and stuff like that. Well, he lost two pounds in a week. Oh, my gosh. The day we ended up going to Children's, I found out I was suffocating and starving my child. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, His oxygen levels were really low, and he wasn't getting hardly any food. Because the hospital had just kind of rushed me home, Mm. knowing I was going to go to children. I mean, I don't blame the hospital for anything or anything like that. The nurses were wonderful and everything, but they were kind of in the dark with what to do. Mm. That's why they set up the appointment at Children's. So we get to Children's, and I find out they diagnosed him with a Piero band sequence. They didn't diagnose him when he was born. And because of the jaw being set really far back, he was choking on his tongue. Oh, wow. Um, so I'd be laying him on his back and he'd be choking. Oh gosh. Man. So we were at children. I mean, and all my new mommy hormones going right. on with all this too. Yes. On top of that. On top of everything. Um, so we were at children's hospital for a week at Christmas time. 
um, because he was born at the end of November, I had to learn how to insert a feeding tube, feed this baby from a feeding tube, and go home with this feeding tube baby that I never in my mind thought thought I was going to be able to breastfeed my child. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we started that. um, He started thriving. He just, after he was, he was only needed a feeding tube, I think for two weeks, and he was wow. able to learn how to use a bottle because of the doctors at Children's and the nurses showing me how to feed him and stuff like that. Oh, I awesome. love Children's Hospital. Yes. They're amazing. Me too. Yes. Yeah, we were thriving. He was doing great. He was growing. Um, we had it scheduled for him to fix. I mean, they were monitoring his jaw, making sure it was growing, and it was because sometimes kids who are born with this, they have to break their jaws and move them forward. Mm. But we had it scheduled at 15 months to close his palate do the surgery and all that stuff. So um, he's thriving and about eight months old. (laughs) I started noticing um, we'd get around other children and he would scream. Hmm. He would just kind of check out already at eight months old. And I'm like, this is not normal. But I'm thinking, it's my first child. What do I know? And I asked people and they're like, oh, he's fine. But I really noticed when we'd hang out with my friend who had a son who was one year older than Liam, whenever we hung out, he would scream the whole time he was around him. And I found out I was pregnant with Ollie. I was so excited. I found I was pregnant with Ollie in 2015. So excited, you know, did all the testing to make sure because I was worried, all the genetic testing because I was just concerned with what had gone through with Liam. Mm -hmm. Everything was fine. I'm like, this is going to be a breeze. Thank you, Lord. We're going to have this little baby. Um, And I was pregnant with Oliver and we had taken Liam to the park and he was two and a half at this point. It was right before I had Oliver. And he started crying when we left the park. And I had this mom say, does he have autism? And that just made what? me so How bold. It was so bold. And just the way she said it, it took everything in me to not lose it on the playground. Right. Oh, man. Especially being, you know, nine months pregnant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I remember picking him up and going to the car thinking, how dare she? And I remember the next time going to see his pediatrician, I asked his pediatrician and she said, no, there's no, he's fine. There's, mm. He's totally fine. I can't believe that she would say that. I'm like, okay, doctors know best. But I still had this gut feeling that there was just something different. Mm. I had Oliver in April of 2016, healthy little boy. He was breastfeeding right off the bat. This was like, thank you, Lord. You know, every the um, the new mommy feel of everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not having my child whisked away. I got to hold him and he was eating and all this stuff. So you got all that. All yes. that, yes. And I was so excited to bring him home and introduce him to Liam. That very next day, we were packing Oliver up in the car seat to take him to his first doctor's appointment. And he started screaming like newborns do when you put them in a car seat. And Liam started screaming uncontrollably, like high-pitched, mm. inconsolable screaming. Wow. And I lost it. Mm. I went spiraling into postpartum depression right there. Oh, wow. And I didn't know I had yeah. until about a month later. But he wouldn't stop screaming. And I just started crying and all these things throughout the rest of, I think, three months. Every time Oliver would cry, Liam would scream. Mm. So I'm stressing out, trying to keep this newborn from crying. Yeah. I'm so stressed out. All of a sudden, I can't breastfeed him anymore. Because of the stress. Because of the stress. Yeah. It just was not happening. Thank the good Lord for bottles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't matter how you feed your baby. It's how I've come mm-hmm. to, I, I've had babies that have been able to breastfeed and babies that are bottle fed. As long as they're fed and healthy, 
Yeah, that's truly. how God intended yes. it to be. Yes. So, um, but I was stressing out because every time I had this baby cry, my two and a half year old would scream unconsolably, which is not normal. Yeah. And I got to the point from the postpartum depression, I started resenting him. Mm. I was so angry at God. I was thinking, here we go again. And I didn't realize it then, but looking back now, that's how I was feeling. You, my dream of the perfect mom, there's no perfect mommyhood, by the way, but you have this vision of what you think yes. it's going to be. Yes. Um, everyone does it. Everyone does it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but Liam spent that summer with my mom and my sister more than he did with me. How do you keep a newborn from crying? Right. You can't. That's how they tell you they need yes. something. And our relationship suffered huge. It was bad. We were not, he couldn't do anything right in my eyes. And Mm -hmm. I would go to bed feeling guilty, like I was the worst mom ever, which is the enemy talking. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom telling me the Bible verse, for whom much is given, much is expected. And that right there, I was just like, kind of blew me away. I'm like, okay. I knew something was wrong with Liam. I knew in my heart of hearts, there was some sensory issues or autism but I hadn't had it diagnosed yet. A mommy knows best. I mean, moms stick with your gut no matter what anybody tells you. You know your child more than anybody else knows your child. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forward a little bit. Uh, he's ex- he got enrolled for preschool here. We're getting ready to enroll in preschool. And when Oliver was nine months old, I found out I was pregnant with Gavin. Surprise! Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> we were done with two kids and the Lord said, oh, yes, are you sure? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So enter, how can I have a baby? I already have a baby. And how am I going to live through this stress again? Right. How we're going to do this all over again. But I just, you know, I'm like, okay. So I started advocating for Liam. I'm like, I'm not going to go through this again for him. Good for you. Um, And the Lord started placing these people in my life that had adult children with autism out of nowhere. And I started talking to them and they're like, oh, yes. Oh, yes, he definitely has it. You need to just keep pushing to get a diagnosis. So I talked to his pediatrician, and she said, well, Children's Autism Center is a year out. I said, I don't care. I don't care if I have to wait two years. We need to get this on paper. I need to get this diagnosed. So he started preschool, was doing great in preschool, because that was the other thing for autism. He was reading all his classmates' names, and he's obsessed with the solar system. He wants wow. to be an astronomer when he grows yes. up. And when he was three years old, he could tell you all the galaxies, planets, dwarf planets, stars. Oh, my like, gosh. This isn't normal for At a three-year-old. three years old. Oh, yes. my goodness. It just isn't normal. Right. Um, it's amazing. But yeah. I'm thinking, okay, but this just, he's, absor- he's able to retain this stuff so well. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Gavin in September of 2017. And God is so good. Mm. <laughs> he is exactly what Liam needed. It was like Liam's, he hadn't been diagnosed yet, but the way Liam took to him, it was almost like therapy. Wow. There was no screaming when Gavin would cry. He would try to console him. There was no, it was like a 180. God is so good. I was able to breastfeed my baby. That's all I ever wanted to be able to do. And it was just a breeze. Mm. And by the time Gavin was six months old, we got a phone call. We were driving home from LaConnor. And we got a phone call from Seattle Children's Hospital that Liam could be seen. And I was sitting in the car and I was just bawling. 
and Steve, my husband, thought someone had passed away in our family or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, it's good news. Happy good tears. News. Happy tears. <laughs> they can see him. Yes. So, um, and he he had been seen previously by a private company a year prior to that, and they told me there was nothing wrong with him. He had neurological problems. Oh, interesting. And I was like, no. Hang on. Yeah. No. Isn't autism was kind of a neurological right I just I was like nope I'm still advocating for him yeah we're still doing this yes this isn't right you can think what you want but I know what's wrong with my child so he got in he was seen and within five minutes they said yes he definitely has sensory processing disorder and high functioning autism they don't call it five minutes yeah wow I was like, I'm not crazy. Yes. He was complaining about the room being too cold and the chairs being too hard. And they do that on purpose. It was just, it was blowing me away. Um, Within five minutes, I didn't feel crazy anymore Mm. because I had so many people telling me, oh, he's fine. He doesn't look like he has autism, which by the way, don't ever say that, please, to another. Oh my goodness. (laughs) What does it look like? I just don't, it's just, yeah, I get that all the time and it doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah. It used to bug me, but it doesn't bother me. I could get that, yeah. But it doesn't bother me anymore. But he was diagnosed, and they gave me a bunch of resources, and I had already done so much research on my own prior to that. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. So fast forward a little bit, and he's got diagnosed. I'm going to homeschool him. That was my plan all along since having children. I was going to homeschool my children. I was homeschooled, loved it. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. There's no way I'm sending my children to public school. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but just me personally. And I was sitting on the porch watching the boys play last summer, and Liam's and my uh, relationship was suffering again for whatever reason. He just, we were butting heads so bad, and I would just go to bed crying, feeling like I was failing him. And I was sitting on the porch last summer, and God said, you're sending him to kindergarten. You're not homeschooling him. And I just started bawling because oh, I'm a control man. freak. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm like, no, this is not in my plans, Lord. Hang <laughs> on. <laughs> and he's like, it's not your plans. It is my, my plans. plans. Oh, man. Steve came home and I told him and he said, okay. So it was one week before school started and we registered him for kindergarten and he thrived. Wow. He, oh, my gosh. His socially, he came out of his shell um, because a lot of uh, autism kids, especially high functioning, um, being social can be kind of hard. It can be kind of difficult. He he still struggles with it a little bit, but he came out of his shell Mm. and he just did so well and he made friends and the teachers loved him and he's so funny. And then um, all this stuff going on happened and I had to homeschool him through in like COVID COVID stuff. Yes. Yes. COVID (laughs) happened. I had to do the distant learning with him starting in March because I'm like, we're going to finish what you have to finish what you start. And I'm like, I can homeschool him and I can do this. And being the control freak I am, I'm like, I want to do this and I'm going to do my own curriculum and when we're going to do it, when I want to do it. Yes. Oh my (laughs) And so do another 180 we are homeschooling this year and it is if I tried to homeschool last year it would not would have it would not have worked out and it's it's been amazing yeah our relationship is really good he's thriving he's closer to his brothers than he's ever been he's just wow he's an amazing kid every day is a struggle 
Yes, of course. There are good days. Like yesterday, was, I, when we went to bed last night, I told my husband, I was like, I wish I could bottle up today. Today was the perfect day. Mm, you know, just, just hang on to that. Yes, because yeah. school was smooth, and he was happy, and he was using his manners, and Mm-hmm. God reminded me it's not going to be like that every day today. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Well, you talk a little bit about it, but I really want to know, like, what was your relationship with Christ during, you know, those struggles that you were having? Funny you should say that. It was not good. Mm. I was so angry. I was bitter and I didn't realize it. I thought, you know, I had thought what was uh problem between mother and son was actually a problem between that son's mother and God. Mm-hmm. I was trying to control everything. Yeah. So again, control freak. <laughs> I could see my world spinning out of control, so to speak. And instead of giving it to God, I was grasping at straws to keep it together. He mm-hmm. sat back and let me fall on my face mm-hmm. until I came crawling back to him. And since doing that, it's amazing. Like I said, my relationship with Liam's amazing yeah because I give it to God I was trying to fix him I guess Mm. is a a way to describe it okay instead of nurturing who God made him to be Mm. there's nothing to fix yeah God is just incredible always but he allows us to get angry and that communication with God is so important and he already knows what you're thinking he already knows what you're yes, feeling. He does. So you might as well give it to give him. Give those conversations up to him. Actually, how you're feeling, and be able to just feel like almost letting it out and being open. He allows us to allows. be angry at him, yes. so to speak. I mean, yes. I've been angry at him, and I will mm-hmm. tell him, and then I ask for forgiveness. But mm-hmm. being, you know, with my relationship, my relationship with God being so much better, and just being that much closer. It's just, it's amazing. I have such yeah. a peace. Yeah. As soon as you were, you had those conversations, yes. as soon as you finally let go. Let go. And it was amazing Ew. how he will let us fall. He'll sit yes. back and watch us. He's not going to let us die, but he'll watch us. He'll watch <laughs> yes. us tread water until we almost yes. drowned. Yep. Because exactly. that's the point to where we're going to get back to him. And that's exactly what happened. Right. And, you know. Liam has seen me get frustrated and I'll start praying in front of him at this point now. And he gets confused. He's only six years old and just the way his brain works. But mm-hmm. like, okay, God, this can be my ministry with Liam. It's oh, like, yeah, instead of like taking that. my frustrations out on him, which is what I was doing, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, he'll watch. I'll just start praying. Like, okay, yeah, God, please you. help me to not feel this way in front of Liam and just verbalize it in front mm. of him. Mm. I like that. That's really cool. Um, okay, so just because postpartum is, mm-hmm. I'm finding is so common, more common than I knew until like I started get, hanging out with more moms and getting to know more moms. I'm like, oh my goodness, this postpartum is actually postpartum depression and there's also actually postpartum rage too yes it's like it kind of yeah you rage you get so (laughs) yes but I I would love actually for you to break that down a little bit what was that like for you what were the some of the signs did you go to the doctor and actually get diagnosed with it what was that like it was all new to me because I didn't have it with Liam. And I don't know if I didn't have it with Liam because I was so busy taking care of the special needs baby that my brain was somewhere else. It was all new territory to me. Everything was making me cry. Mm-hmm. Like I would sit because Ollie 
wasn't able to breastfeed after that first day. I pumped for six months for him. And I would just be pumping and sobbing Mm. that I was the worst mom ever. Every little thing was just, it was like doom and gloom. And I remember going, I think it was Oliver's six-month appointment, and his pediatrician asking me, I'm like, I think I have postpartum. And she's like, you think or you have it? So I start crying. I'm like, I have it, you know? Mm. And so she gave me some brochures and stuff like that. And just her listening to me, I felt better. I felt like I was, I felt like I was going insane because I didn't want to be around Liam. Mm. And it was killing me. Yeah. I just didn't want to be around him. Yeah. I'm like, I'm the worst um, because I just, I'm done. I don't want to be around you. Go to, go to me, mom, papa's, go to auntie Amy's. And that part of that was the postpartum. Mm. And so she gave me some brochures and people I could call. And I didn't do that. Um, but I started, uh, I knew it was my hormones that were out of check. And I'm kind of a crunchy mama. <laughs> crunchy mama? What is like, that? <laughs> I will try to go the natural method before oh, I will go. Okay. To mod- I, okay. I'm not knocking modern medicine. Oh. I mean, Liam's had multiple surgeries. I like, yes. yeah, no. Oh, I get but I will saying. go for the natural method first. Okay. <laughs> so I, I was looking up oils that would help my hormones. And I started reaching out to some of my crunchy mama friends. <laughs> and they started giving me advice of what to do. And some supplements to take and what to cut out of my diet. And once I started doing that, I saw a major change. Oh, wow. And I started doing that prior. Like once I found out I was pregnant with Gavin, mm-hmm. I was paranoid about the postpartum again. Mm. So I started the routine of oils and stuff while I was pregnant with him. And when, after I had him, I had it very mild and I could recognize the signs of it coming on. I could feel myself getting to that point where I would separate myself from the room or I would know it was happening. So Steve would come home and I'd be like, I need to just go for a drive by myself. And then I would be fine afterwards. And I was at a better place with God. I'd just be praying. Okay, I'm giving this to you. I don't want to rage out on anybody. Right. (laughs) That's what was happening. Don't want to burn down the house. Yes. Sorry, family. (laughs) But um, just reaching out to other mamas was a real... Because it wasn't talked about in the house. My mom didn't have it. Yeah. So... I'm thinking, I thought I was going nuts. Right. It's really what it felt like. I had no control of my hormones. And also, I remember Teacher Berna recommending a podcast and a book for me. She didn't know what I was going through. Liam had just started preschool. And I remember her telling me about the book called Triggered. Triggered. I've I've heard of that. And I'm thinking, well, and I forget who wrote it. I can't think about it off the top of my head. But she had just been on Dr. Dobson that morning. And she said she listened to it. And for whatever reason, God told her to tell me about it. Hmm. God works in mysterious ways. Oh, my gosh. And I remember going home and researching it. And it talks about what in your child's behavior triggers you Mm -hmm. to react the way you do. Mm -hmm. I was like, ouch. Yes, right. Oh, man. And that. That helped too, because it's like, okay, I got to let go of this stuff. It was part of, and part of the postpartum, I think, was the control. I had to be in control of all things and I didn't have control. Yeah. So I went off the handle. (laughs) I just went loose. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I also want to talk a little bit more about autism Mm -hmm. and like the early signs and everything, because some people may be thinking like, 
man, that sounds a lot like what my son is doing right now. What are some other, like, just maybe list the signs that you saw from the beginning to when he got diagnosed. So it's going to be, it looks different in boys than girls. So I cannot speak for girls. I know um, a lot of the mamas that God brought into my life, they had daughters and it's a lot harder. Usually girls don't get diagnosed until they're in their teens. Oh, wow. Because it, because they tend to mimic who they're around. So oh, they'll okay. seem really mature. And so, but like I said, I don't know exactly. So, yeah. But for yeah. Liam, for a boy, I started noticing probably around 15 months old, he would bump his head super hard because he's a rambunctious little boy bouncing off the walls, jumps off the couch. <laughs> he hit his head on the wall, put a dent in the wall and didn't even cry. Wow. He just got up and walked away. I'm thinking, okay, this is not normal. Yeah. Where are the tears? Right. That should have hurt. Okay. Um, Because usually sensory processing disorder and autism go hand in hand. Okay. So I noticed more sensory stuff with him, like the bumping the head. I would give him a bath and he'd be screaming that the water was burning him when it was just lukewarm bath water. Um, Very picky eater. Would only eat starchy foods. And I guess boys with autism he would have lived on mac and cheese and corn <laughs> well that sounds like my kid she could just eat macaroni and cheese all the time but that was it there was nothing he would not try anything else he would smell foods and gag like wow. meat would just gag him um i'm so but it's amazing because he calls it being trifle he's six years old and now his favorite thing to eat is a cheeseburger <laughs> It's like, I'm being trifle, mommy. I'm like, in more ways than one, honey. That is adorable. (laughs) I love it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, His vocabulary was very advanced. Okay. I was going to say, just even the word you just said, trifle. Yes. (laughs) He's very intelligent. Like, he could read very early. He's advanced in a lot of things. Like, his superhero toys, instead Mm -hmm. of playing super... His brothers fly Batman around the house. they They fight each other. Liam was laying them down and putting them to bed they don't oh, play with their toys like you would think a little boy would normally play with their toys yeah we'd go to a birthday party and he was he wouldn't play with any of the kids he'd play by himself hmm. he just those were this it's constantly I mean most little kids like ceiling fans especially babies but even after he was when he was about 15 months old he would just stare at ceiling fans wow cry at loud noises cry at big par- uh gatherings just yeah so there was a lot of signs a yeah. lot of signs but I'm thinking oh there's nothing wrong with yeah him. he's just being a little kid he's just being yeah. a little kid and he's already been through so much and right you know maybe it's just him reacting to the trauma he's had because he had a lot of trauma for his short little life and I thought, well, maybe that's just part of it. You know, I've always said, you know, I don't care what it takes. I will pay for your therapy someday. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably have to go together. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> mommy and me event. You call that's me all. Mommy and me, baby. <laughs> but there's oh. just, and then especially after having Oliver. Oliver yeah. plays with his dump trucks. Mm. And he's moving dirt. Liam would line them all up and you couldn't touch them. Yeah. Everything has to be very organized and he would and also um he would find a favorite cartoon and Mm. most kids want to see what's the next episode yeah and he still does this and it drives his brothers nuts it's been a learning experience for all of us he wants to watch the same episode over Uh, okay and and to the point where he has it memorized and he's acting it out with his toys wow 
Oh my goodness. Or Oliver would not remember what he watched ten yeah. minutes ago. He's your typical four year old. Yes, you know? he's just running around while it's all playing. Exactly. Right? <laughs> oh man. Well, if you had let's say there's a mom who's listening right now and she's saying, Yes, this is all like what I'm going through right now, or somebody going through postpartum depression even, just like those really strong emotions, mm-hmm. what would you tell them? What is some like advice that you would give them? I just got goosebumps because it makes me want to cry because mm-hmm. it's like everything I was thinking. But um, don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to be your child's advocate if you think that there's sensory issues or autism or what dyslexia, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. You are your, you know your child more than that doctor knows your child. You are with them 24-7, 365. You know your son, your daughter. If you think something's wrong, you advocate for them until you can't walk anymore to get mm. them the help you need because it's going to help them in the long run. For the postpartum, you're not nuts. It's not, you can feel like you're almost ashamed because of either how you're feeling or how you've been treating your family or children, you're not alone. Ask for help. Mm. Get in the word. Make sure you're, it's hard, especially when you're going through postpartum because your brain is everywhere. That's the last thing you're thinking. So surround yourself with strong women. Mm, I love that. Strong mommies that can just walk you through it and yes, let yes. you know you're not crazy. Oh, I love that. Oh, man, I could sit here and chat with you all day, seriously, and listen to you talk. Um, But we're running out of time here. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope I didn't talk too fast or too much. (laughs) You did great, girl. You did really (laughs) awesome. Thank you for having me. Man, Megan did such a great job, didn't she? I just absolutely love her wisdom and her heart. Hey, if you guys are loving the Living in Hope podcast, be sure to leave a review. This not only helps us out, but I would love to hear what you guys think. Also, be sure to subscribe because I have another great story for you guys next week that I cannot wait for you to hear. I hope you have a great rest of your week and I will see you next Monday.